0: KJV, and then we'll talk about it for a few minutes and let you go on this cold, snowy day uh, in Northeast Ohio. So, if you're not in Northeast Ohio, I'm looking at you, Zeep. I'm looking at you, Zeep. when I look outside at all this snow, and I'm saying, Zebron, Phillips, come on back home to Akron, where you belong, and help us shovel some of this snow, if you will, please, while you're enjoying life down in Houston. I'm saying that because I know Zeep says no way he's not going to do that (laughs) there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus a ruler of the Jews the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him Rabbi we know that thou art a teacher come from God for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him Jesus answered and said to him I'm in verse 3 of John 3 verily verily I say unto you except a man be born again he cannot see the kingdom of God Nicodemus said unto him how can a man be born when he is old can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born Jesus answered verily verily I say unto thee except a man be born again of water and of the spirit he cannot enter into the kingdom of God that which is born of flesh is flesh that which is born of spirit is spirit marvel not that I say unto thee you must be born again the wind bloweth where it listeth and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and where, whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. By the way, let me just pause for a minute. No, nope, let me just read a couple more verses and I'll tell you something. So Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? I know that the language in the King James Version is a little difficult in this passage with some of the withers and dithers and thereofs and listeth. That's in verse 8. But I wanted to read it from the KJB because I'm familiar with that. I love that uh, passage from the original KJB because that's how I remembered it as a kid. And it just stays in my, in my memory. And I, and I like that. Just a couple uh, definitions, though, uh, of this. Um, this, this, these words that Jesus used. He says Jesus, Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews and he was a Pharisee. The word Pharisee means separated one. These guys were separated. They were part, partisan. It was only about 6,000 of them. Nicodemus was one of the members of the Sanhedrin court. It was only 70 of those. By the way, the, there was a difference between the scribes and the Pharisees. Scribes were the guys that wrote down the rules and laws and the Pharisees were the guys that lived them out. They actually illustrated them. You could be a scribe. I'm sorry you could be a Pharisee and not be a scribe but you couldn't be a scribe without being a Pharisee. Both of these guys both of these groups were enemies of Jesus. They all wanted him dead. They wanted him off the scene. They're the ones that plotted to have him murdered. They're the ones that suggested to Pilate and Caiaphas that he be crucified. They're the ones that went to Rome for permission to execute Jesus. The, the highest religious group in the land, the scribes and the Pharisees. No one, no one knew the Old Testament. No one knew the Bible at that time, which was Genesis through Malachi, better than the scribes and Pharisees. No one. These cats basically had large swaths of the Old Testament memorized. They wanted Jesus executed. By the way, in that little sentence there at the end, that kind of like sometimes people use as a throwaway line, art thou a master of Israel and know not these things. The reason Jesus cracked on Nicodemus about not knowing these things is because in Ezekiel 36, it says exactly what Jesus said. Nicodemus had no reason not to know what Jesus was talking about as it relates to being born again and being born of the water and of the spirit because here's what uh, Ezekiel 36 verse 25 says, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you and I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. That was Ezekiel 36, 25, 27. It sounded like that was something from the New Testament, didn't it? It sounded like Jesus said that in Matthew here or in John. But no, that was something that Jesus said, you Nicodemus, being a scholar, being a teacher of teachers, being a doctor of the law, This guy basically had a Ph.D. in Jewish history and Jewish religion. This guy was basically at the top of his field. He was a master of masters. He was a ruler over the rulers. And Jesus said, and you don't even know what Ezekiel wrote? You don't know what the Bible says about being born again? Isn't this so shameful? This was something that was inexcusable for Nicodemus, who was a leader of the Jews, to not know in this particular uh, day and time, so the scribes were the ones that wrote the regulations and by the way they were in, in addition in, in addition to the Ten Commandments, uh, the scribes had added another six hundred thirteen laws and rules to the Bible in addition to that they had also wrote volumes and volumes of additional rules and regulations on how those rules should be interpreted it was a mess kind of it was religion gone gone wild it was crazy so so nicodemus was one of these guys um and the bible says in verse two i'm back in john three again it says the same came to jesus by night and said unto him rabbi we know you are a teacher come from god for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. So I went through that this week and thought about what he said. It sounds on the surface, guys, it sounds like that's a compliment. To me, it sounds like Jesus is being honored by Nicodemus. He calls him rabbi. Uh, He calls him teacher from God. He says nobody can do these miracles except God is with him. But I started to dissect those words, Sister C, and here's what I came up with. This was not a compliment in essence by Nicodemus because if you start to deconstruct what he said, Jesus was not a rabbi, not by their definition. The definition that the Bible gives of a rabbi is in Acts 22:3. three Paul says, I studied under Gamaliel. I went to the top you know, universities, the schools. Nicodemus was not saying that Jesus was a part of their group, he wasn't educated in their circles. He wasn't a part of their educational system. He hadn't come up through the ranks under another rabbi. He wasn't part of any of of their rabbinical schools or universities. So he wasn't really a rabbi by their definition. He was just basically paying homage to Jesus by saying rabbi, but he wasn't really regarded him as a colleague or a contemporary. So false one right there, fact check one, false wrong Nicodemus here's what else he said about he said I know that you are a teacher from God well Jesus was not a teacher from God Jesus was God (laughs) he was God incarnate he was God he's not a teacher he wasn't Jeremiah he wasn't John the Baptist he wasn't even Paul this is Jesus this is God the son he's not a teacher from God he is a teacher that is God So once again, fact check, false, wrong, wrong Nicodemus, you blew it twice. And here's his third mistake. He said, for no man can do these miracles except God be with him." False again. You know why? Because Jesus himself said in Matthew 7 that there's going to be people in the last day that will say, Lord, Lord, did we not do miracles in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do many wonderful signs in your name? And Jesus said, I knew you not. That's Matthew 7, 21 through 23. But that's not all. The Bible says in Acts chapter 8 that Simon the sorcerer, if you look at the context there, he did many great miracles and wonders, it says. It actually uses that term that he did miracles and wonders referring to Nicodemus, I'm sorry, referring to Simon the sorcerer in Acts uh, chapter 8, verses 9 through 11. But I also looked up another one. I went all the way back to the Old Testament to Exodus chapter 7. When Aaron came... And Aaron and Moses met with Pharaoh the first time. Remember, Aaron threw his rod down and it became a serpent. Remember that? Well, check it out. The wise men, the sorcerers, the magicians under Pharaoh in Egypt, they threw their rods down, and they all too also became serpents magic and sorcery black magic witchcraft existed existed then exists now the devil can do signs and wonders it's just that it's still the devil it's still false (laughs) matter of fact the jews especially the pharisees accused jesus of performing miracles in the name of satan he says he cast out demons in the name of demons, he cast out the devil by the devil. That's what they accused Jesus of doing. And Jesus said, you dummies, a house divided against itself will fall. How could I be doing miracles against the very thing that I'm trying to tear down? So it was, it was ridiculous. So the point I'm making is that Jesus wasn't the only one going around, quote, unquote, performing miracles. It's just that Jesus' miracles were authentic and they were of God because he was God incarnate. The other miracles were of Satan. And although realistic and although authentic, they had a different ulterior motive. They wanted to tear down the kingdom of God. Amen. By the way, what happened to Nicodemus? He kind of faded off the pages of scripture. Well, no, he does pop up two other times in scripture. He pops up in John 7 when they're before the Sanhedrin court. I won't go into it, but you can look it up. John 7 verses 45 through 53 and by the way Nicodemus pops up again when Jesus was being buried him and Joseph Arimathea came together and bought spices about 75 pounds of them according to scripture which I understand was extremely expensive and they took care of the burial of Jesus prior to the Sabbath beginning so Nicodemus pops up two other times and and, and he comes seemingly like he's uh, knight in shining armor. I have a problem with Nicodemus, though, because John 12 tells me this. John 12:42 says, "Many people did believe in Jesus, however, including some of the Jewish leaders, but they wouldn't admit it for fear that the Pharisees— isn't this amazing—would expel them from the synagogue." The Bible says many of them believed in Jesus, including some Jewish leaders. That means guys like Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. However, it says they would not, the King James Version says they would not confess him. They would not own him. They would not admit him or identify with him for fear of being thrown out of the synagogue, castigated and expelled from power. Who knows, Nicodemus might have been one of those dudes. Nicodemus. We don't know if he ever became a believer. The Bible doesn't say. The Bible doesn't give a final determination of the fate of Nicodemus. But we know that where there's life, there's hope, right? And that he may have been saved. He may have not. I I don't know. But I know he certainly heard it from the best. He's heard it from God, the son himself. You must be born again. And let me close with this. Let me just talk about this for a second before I sit down. This this phrase, born again. Uh, one of the uh, Watergate guys um, uh, wrote a book entitled Born Again. I'm trying to think of his name. It escapes me right now. It, it, what, it was... Um, it was Colson. Thank you, Sister Lillian. Chuck Colson wrote a book that was a runaway bestseller, Born Again. He talked about his conversion in prison, working in the, the Nixon administration, the whole break-in with the Democratic National Party building in D.C. That He talked about that and how the Lord brought him to salvation. And this phrase, Born Again, at least back in the 70s, was just all the hoot. It was just everybody was talking about being born again, born again Christian. It was almost as popular and as degrading as being called holy rollers, you know, and sanctified folks, you know. And it was a it was a term of really derision. It was a term of ridicule, kind of. all oh, those born again, all oh, those those born againers, those holy rollers. Don't listen to them. They're you know they're brainwashed. Well, I started thinking this week in preparation for this lesson in Sunday school and church. Why did Jesus choose the expression? And just hang with me because I'm going to sit down with this. Why did Jesus choose the expression born again? Of all the things that he could have said that would be a synonym or an analogy for being saved, why did Jesus choose the expression born again? He could have said things like you're going to be improved, you're going to be reformed, you're going to be made over, You're going to be sanctified, rescued. All these terms that are synonymous with born again, at least the way we define it. Jesus could have used that might have been more familiar. Why born again? Actually, the word in the Greek is this term, anothen, A-N-O-T-H-E-N. The Greek word means to be born from above. That's what born again actually means in the original language. So if you look at it literally, like if you use a lexicon or a Bible dictionary and you look up born again, that expression and any of the references like vines or strong will say anathen, which means to be born from above, born by God, spiritual birth. And so I thought about it and I started really digging into John 3 about being born again. And when I started really Looking at the, the terms and the background of it, it was the best expression that Jesus could have used. It was excellent because it actually describes what happens, ladies and gentlemen. We are saved. We're really the closest analogy. The best way to describe it is that we're born again, totally fresh. I love it. Paul said in Second Corinthians chapter five, he said, "If any man, and I'm going to say, in any one man or woman, if any one." Be in Christ Jesus. Watch what he says. He says, you are a new creation. All things are passed away. All things have become. So he says you're new. and, And born again means born anew or new birth. It's a different birth. It's not a birth where a man goes back into his mother's womb. That was a ridiculous statement by Nicodemus. I'm just hoping that he was being sarcastic. I don't think he was talking about, you know, that. And when he says born of water, he wasn't talking about the amniotic fluids in a woman at pregnancy, the fluids that protects the baby, pre-birth fluids. He wasn't talking about that water, right? He wasn't talking about baptism as in baptizing in water like John. the ba- John the Baptist's baptism was only unto repentance. Jesus, when he said being born of the water, wasn't referring to baptism. He wasn't referring to even Christian baptism. That concept wasn't introduced until Acts 2.38. When Peter made the great sermon on the day of Pentecost and he introduced baptism by water, Christian birth. And that wasn't relating to birth, that was relating to death. Baptism symbolizes the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, not birth of Jesus. So the comment that Jesus made about a man must be born again, as defined by being born of water and spirit, wasn't referring to the birth fluids during pregnancy wasn't referring to that water. It wasn't referring to the water of John the Baptist baptism because that was the one of repentance. Jesus did away with that when he came with salvation. He wasn't doing, he wasn't discussing baptism in Acts 2.38 because that day hadn't even come yet, so he couldn't have been referring to that and, and expecting Nicodemus to know it. So what could Jesus have been referring to that Nicodemus should have already known? It had to be. It had to be Ezekiel. It had to be the New Testament, which talks in multiple places about being born by the word of God, being born of the word. The water is a symbol for word, being born of the word. Matter of fact, I gave a couple of scriptures in my notes. Hopefully you guys got my notes uh, referring to that. But the water there that Jesus is referring to, of uh, being born again by water and the spirit, you can, you can see those passages uh, played out throughout scripture over for instance, in in James one eighteen it says he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word isn 't that excellent James one eighteen and we out of all of creation became his prized possession. Listen what it says here in titus three five regarding being born of the word. It says he saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Watch this, he washed away there it is that washing, the cleansing, the purging the water. He washed away our sins, giving us, here it is, a new birth, a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. Jesus was always referring to new birth, water birth, a a new birth by being baptized in the word of God and the spirit as referring to baptism through his word. I love this. I love this connection. Jesus tells us in John 6.44 that no man can come to the Father except by me. So if you look at this, if you you add the three together, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, God the Father draws us. John 6.44. No man can come unto me except by the Father. Right, Rod? God the Father draws us. He brings us in. We don't just walk up to the altar on our own. Hey, I want to be saved. Hey, I want to be a Christian. Hey, I want to be born again. God puts that in us. He draws us. He pulls us. He does it in his own divine way for his own divine purposes. We cannot know God's mind. But God draws us according to John 6:44. He draws us to Jesus and then Jesus, God the Son, then through his word washes us. He cleanses us. God the Father draws us, God the Son cleanses us john 15 3 says already you are clean because of the word that i have spoken first peter 1 says you were cleansed from your sins watch this when you obeyed the word of truth for you have been born again from the eternal living word of god that's first peter 1 and 23 that means we're born by the word No wonder Paul wrote in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. God the Father draws us. God the Son washes us, cleans us, purges us through his word. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word what? Was God. So God the Father draws us. God the Son washes us purges us cleans us with his word and then watch here's the final god the spirit god the holy spirit he indwells us he fills us the word filling there if you look at ephesians 5 18 and other places the word fill in the greek means control possess manage jesus said i will send the comforter and he will lead and guide you into all truth the holy spirit then comes to guide us, to empower us, to control us, to give us power to overcome. All right, I'm going to quit because I, uh, I think I've given you as much as uh, I, I, I can handle for this morning because I'm just getting excited about it. But I, I just love, I love this passage. And, and I know that, and listen, let me, let me just say this. I'm, I'm closing my Bible. Let me just say this. I know Nicodemus gets beaten up a lot for the fact that he came to Jesus by night. Don't trip over that, guys. Let me just tell you, walking point number one for you to take home with. He gets derided and he gets lamb basted, right? He gets wiped out for coming to Jesus by night. Let me just say this. He came to Jesus. I don't care how he came. Night day tornado weather snowstorm i don't care if he came at three in the morning i don't care if he was hiding in the back of a wagon (laughs) i don't care how he got there he came to jesus let's give him some props for coming amen he just gets castigated because he came everybody focuses on nicodemus came to jesus by night by night by night so what whether he was busy, whether he was scared, whether he was being a secret agent, uh, well, however you want to categorize him, I'm saying he came to Jesus. You know what the most important thing that we do? That we come to Jesus. Nobody comes to Jesus and remains the same. Nobody comes to Jesus and gets and not affected by his presence. They may not be converted, but they're not going to be the same. You're not going to come to Jesus and walk away the way you came something's going to happen. You're going to be convicted. You're going to be converted. You're going to be challenged. You're going to be made new. Something is going to take place because you can't come in Jesus' presence and leave the same way. So I give him much kudos because he came to Jesus. I don't care if it was by night. He came. And we should learn from that. If we get into his presence and we come to him, all these miracles that we've been discussing in Luke, And all these miracles we've been discussing in Matthew were people that came to Jesus. They made an effort to get to him, to get in his presence. Amen. So there's something to be said about coming to Jesus and praying and being around. And let me just say one more thing on walking point. I'll say walking point number one is that we get in his presence. Walking point number two is that we be born again. Don't think that just coming to church makes you acceptable to God. Don't think because you signed a membership roll that you are good to go. Don't think because your mother and grandmother were saints that you now have a free pass. None of us are saved by proxy. None of us are saved by heritage. None of us are saved by pedigree. None of us are saved because of our DNA. Every man, every woman must come to Jesus on their own. Every one of us must Jesus used this word three times. Must. That's an imperative. That is a directive. That is an unconditional statement. You must be born again. There are no weaseling around that. There's no mitigating that. There's no negotiations there. He says, you must be born again. And in case Nicodemus didn't hear... By the way, the first time Jesus says, you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. The second time he said... You must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. And just in case you weren't clear in Nicodemus, you must be born again. <laughs> he just let him know, dude, there ain't no way around. You can't see it. You can't get in it. You can't even sniff the kingdom of God unless you're born again. God was merciful to Moses. He let him see the promised land before he died. He said, come on, Moses, I'm going to take you on this mountain. I'm going to let you see it, but you can't enter it that god don't give us that privilege we ain't seeing the kingdom and we ain't getting in the kingdom until we've been born again amen amen god don't play god doesn't play lord we just thank you for your word this morning if there's anyone in my voice the sound of my voice that has not been born again that is born of the water of your word that have been born of the spirit by being indwelt and filled with your Holy Spirit. If we haven't been baptized in your word and baptized in your spirit, we're asking you this morning to do so. And then, Lord, may we follow that up by being baptized in water according to your ordinance. We just ask you, Lord, for obedience. We ask you for humility. We ask you for faithfulness as we do your will, as we do those things that are always pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.